here we are, the last uh, little bit of Ruth, but I thought just like last week, it would just be, be helpful uh, to run through the, the story so far, the kind of the, the previously on uh, Ruth. Uh, and so we had uh, Ruth uh, chapter one, uh, we had that famine, uh, those words uh, of people in Bethlehem saying there's no food. Uh, so we would have seen then uh, Nomi and Elimelech and Malon and Kilion uh, leaving Bethlehem uh, to go to Moab. And in the next scene, uh, we'd have those marriages, uh, those uh, pictures of Malion and Kilion marrying Ruth and Orpah. But in the next scene, uh, the funerals of Elimelech, Malion and Kilion, and no uh, grandchildren to go with it. And so at the end of uh, Ruth 1, we had the, the three uh, women embracing, Naomi, Orpah, uh, and uh, Ruth, uh, and her telling them to, to go. And Orpah uh, leaves, uh, and then we won't read it, but those words of Ruth, which she says, I'm not going to go, I'm going to stay with you, Ruth 1, 16, 17, your God will be my God, uh, wherever you go, I will go. Uh, and so then the Naomi and Ruth walking back uh, into Bethlehem, just as the barley harvest was starting. And then we moved into chapter 2, and uh, that sort of uh, coincidence that when Ruth goes to glean in the field, it just so happened it was uh, Boaz's field, uh, someone who was a, a kingsman redeemer, a guardian redeemer. Uh, and Boaz is shown to be someone who's good, who, who gives in abundance Uh, who recognises in Ruth that she's somebody uh, who has come to to rest under the wings of the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 12. And then the harvest story moves on and the harvest finishes. And we're sort of left thinking, what's going to happen to this story of of Ruth and Boaz? And then we move to chapter 3 and we reach the the threshing floor uh, with the tale of Ruth going at night, of of pulling over uh, the covers from Boaz's feet. Uh, And then Boaz waking up going, who's there? Uh, And she says, Ruth, your servant, uh, spread the corner of your garment over me. And it was this uh, marriage proposal. And Boaz says, what kindness you've shown me. Uh, I will do what you ask. But there is somebody who's closer. The tension that we're left with at the end of the story. Uh, There is someone who is a a, a closer redeemer. And that's where we left chapter three. And we're thinking, what's going to happen? Well, let's find out as we go, as Joy comes to read uh, chapter four. Good morning. We're reading Ruth chapter four page 269. That's 269. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. 
I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow. In order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, at this the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself, I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party of, of his of his sandal one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are my witnesses, that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's wife, as widow as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming to your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have upstanding in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord your Lord gives you by his young, this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Naomi gains a son. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they called, named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. The genealogy of David. This, then, is the family nine of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amimadab. Amimadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. Thank you, Joy. Always fun hunger genealogy. Um, let's uh, pray as we begin. Father, we uh, thank you for this story of you, this wonderful story of Ruth. And we pray, Lord, as we look at it now, we wouldn't simply understand more of the story then, but actually to see the part it plays in your story today. Amen. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 18. 
Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Chapter 4, verse 1. Meanwhile, Boaz went to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along important things we do quickly, don't we? So if you get, um, if you accidentally park in one of the car parks that you shouldn't and you get through your letter, that's sort of, you know, £50 fine, unless you pay in two weeks, in which case it'll be 25 You know, we act quickly in those situations, don't we? You, you quickly get onto the, the internet or whatever and you pay the fine because it's an important thing to do. Things that are important, you act quickly on. And here, Boaz wastes no time. Meanwhile, straight away, almost at the next day, he goes down to the town gate, uh, to the, the place where business is transacted. That, that's what the town gate was used for, a bit like the town hall. It's where the people gathered, where people would be coming and going. Uh, so it was a place, the, the place where business happened, but also the place where he's going to meet this uh, guardian redeemer because he'll be coming in and out. But what, just a minute before we keep going, uh, what is a guardian redeemer? I mean, we, we jumped over it uh, a little bit last week. So what does this person do? Well, obviously in the, in the culture, uh, family was really important. Uh, and when we say family, we don't just mean the, kind of the, the nuclear family that we might think of today, but the broader family, uh, which is why you may have noticed that Boaz is referred to uh, as of the clan of Elimelech. He's kind of part of the bigger uh, family. Uh, and family members had responsibility uh, to look after each other. And I guess we, we sort of have that a little bit today, don't we? So uh, the other day I, I was asked to be a, a guarantor. Uh, for my cousin's daughter, uh, for one of her uh, sort of being a, a student and renting, because I was a UK citizen. Uh, but that sense of, you know, I'm prepared to guarantee her rent. Well, a, a guardian redeemer had the responsibility of, if, of buying things back. So if somebody had to sell themselves into slavery, uh, they would have the, the responsibility to, to buy them back. If, uh, if this land, as in the situation of Naomi, was to be sold because land uh, was important and keeping land in the family was important, they had the responsibility of, of buying it back. Uh, but also they had this uh, responsibility to keep the name going, to give an heir, uh, what we uh, term, what is called Levite marriage. Uh, and what that means is that a uh, if the deceased had a, a wife and they had no children, uh, then it was the responsibility of the, the closest uh, relative, usually a, a brother, to take that their wife as their own uh, and to produce an heir. And then that heir would be considered the, the heir of the deceased. Uh, it, it sounds uh, quite uh, alien to us, and it is alien. It's especially alien in a, in a land to us where we have social security, uh, where we have uh, the fact that, that the greatest thing that y- you do is, is not to pass on your, your name to your children. But in a culture where that was the case, but there was no social security, uh, where the, the, your passing on of your name was really important, it was a kind thing to do. Uh, and Boaz is an example of that. Uh, there's also an example uh, back in Genesis 38, 
although not such a a happy example. Uh, Judah, uh, one of Jacob's uh, 12 sons, well, his children were a bad example. Uh, Tamar, his daughter-in-law, her husband died, and then uh, Judah's sons uh, didn't do their duty properly. Uh, And then through a series of uh, other events involving Judah, uh, Tamar took the the action herself uh, and had a son with Judah called Perez. Now, uh, I appreciate I've run through that very quickly, but Nick preached on that on the 15th of January in the evening service. So you can go onto YouTube and find a really helpful sermon all about Genesis 38. That is a screenshot from that very sermon. (laughs) Um, So that, that chance, you can go and listen to it to find out more. But Perez, the son of that uh, Levite marriage will come up again in our reading. But here's the thing. A guardian redeemer is meant to do exactly what it says on the tin. Somebody who's nearby, a nearby relation, who will redeem the family. A nearby relation who will redeem the family. But anyway, back uh, into our story So Boaz uh, meets this uh, guardian redeemer. And we're not told his name. Uh, We might be not told his name because he doesn't actually play a big part in the story. So we don't need to know his name. Or it it might be a way of uh, protecting him. Because if you listen to the story, you picked up that he doesn't actually act in the best way. Uh, And so just being told he's the guardian redeemer sort of uh, protects his reputation a little bit. But Boaz, he, he calls the, uh, the guardian redeemer and then he calls the, the ten elders as witnesses. Uh, and he says to this guardian redeemer, you, you should know that Naomi, one of our relatives, Elimelech, one of our relatives, uh, that the field is being sold. Uh, you've kind of got a responsibility to redeem it. If you don't, uh, I will. So um, the question is, you know, will you redeem it? And the, the guardian redeemer says, of course I will. Of course uh, I'll redeem it. No, no problem at all. I mean, I mean, in his mind, he's thinking, well, it's a, uh, yes, I've got to pay for the field. I've got to you know, lose some money in that respect. But I'll get the harvest year after year after year. It will, it's an investment that will more than pay for itself. But of course... Boaz uh, did leave out a detail, didn't he? I mean, was he being deceptive by not mentioning Ruth? I I don't think so. Uh, Not just because it's Boaz, but also uh, he mentioned that the salient detail about the cost of the field. Uh, That was the thing that was going to cost him some of his resources and money. Uh, Marrying Ruth wasn't. That was just an obligation that he should fulfill. But but he, he tells Uh, the guardian redeemer, verse five, on that day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Merbite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. And at this point, there's a doubt that comes into this guardian redeemer's mind, not just a doubt, he's very clear, isn't he? Uh, He says, verse six, well, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. Because he's thinking, I'm going to have to lose resources and not gain anything from it because the heir will inherit everything. It's just a lose situation for me. So so I'm not going to do it. And he backs out. 
And then we had that comment about the sandal, which uh, needs to be in there because even when Ruth was written, that they didn't do it. Uh, so he takes off his sandal uh, and to show that what he's doing, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm handing my right over in front of all these witnesses. And then Boaz, Boaz, verses 9 and 10, said, Today you are my witnesses, that I have brought from Naomi all the property of Limelech, Kilion, and Malon. I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malion's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are my witnesses. Now, unlike this other guardian redeemer, Boaz has no problem, no problem paying the price. Almost you're thinking, whatever the price, he would pay it because it's the right thing to do. It's the loving thing to do. Boaz meets the cost. And then the the elders, verse 11, said the most extraordinary things. Verse 11, they say, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. So Ruth is a Moabite. She's an alien, a foreigner. Someone who has no rights, no standing. And the elders are saying, may you be like Rachel and Leah, the the matriarchs of Israel. The ones who who not simply produce the families. He's both saying, may Ruth be fruitful like they were. But he's also, by, by picking Rachel and Leah, he's elevating Ruth to some status that you would never expect. It's an extraordinary thing to say. And then they, they go on and say, Boaz, may you be famous. May your name be known in the, in the area in Bethlehem. And then lastly... Verse 12, through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. That example from Genesis 38. It's extraordinary. Extraordinary. He's this staggering prayer that this family, who could be considered to be outcasts, will be like the family that came from Judah, Perez, son of Tamar and Judah. This wonderful, extraordinary prayer. Uh, And then we move very quickly to verse 13. And verse 13 just just sums up, the, not sums up, it, it draws a line under the story. It says, doesn't it, that, that therefore Boaz married Ruth. Uh, they consummated their marriage uh, and the Lord enabled her to conceive. And just actually note that, that the Lord enabled her to conceive because it, she wasn't able to conceive before. 
because it was unlikely, was it, that, that Ruth was, uh, you know, married Malon and then he died the very next day. They were probably married something for 10 years. And both Malion and Kilon uh, had nowheres. So in this story that the, the Lord is just bringing together all this, this goings on, it's the toing and froing, and then at that final moment where they come together and they have the air. And then at this point, Boaz and Ruth exit stage left. Their story is over. And the focus goes back to Naomi, which of course is where the story started, way back at the start of chapter one. Do you remember the start of chapter one? Where they leave empty, no food. They leave with nothing. They even come back to the land empty and, and the Lord, Naomi says, the Lord has made my life bitter. But here at the end, Naomi's full. Her, her life is full. Uh, and these women uh, speak to her uh, and say, look, praise to the Lord. This is verse 14. Praise to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Uh, may he be famous for our Israel. He'll renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Uh, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, uh, loves you with a, a deep deep love that goes beyond sort of superficiality and is, is embedded into her very being, loves you and is of a, a greater worth than seven sons. That, that is to say, uh, greater than the, the ideal family of Israel, seven sons, the ideal family. And has given you this boy, has given you Obed. Uh, Obed uh, means servant. Now, he could be saying, because the naming of names are important, the meanings of names are important. It could be that by saying servant, it's referring to being a, a servant of Naomi. He's the, the, the guardian redeemer, the one who's, who's made the one who is empty full, who's brought life, who's brought provision. But Obed also could be a, a shortened version of Obadiah, Servant of the Lord. And I kind of think it's both. In this boy, he is both one who is uh, the fruit of the guardian redeemer, who is bringing along all of those promises of Naomi, the one who is emptying full, but also uh, the one who is the servant of the Lord, who plays a part in the story of the Lord. Because that's where we jump, don't we? We say, end of verse, 16, verse 17, they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And just to remember it in, we, we then have that genealogy, which is a funny way to end a story, we might think. But it's a genealogy that takes us from Perez, the son, the Levite's son, if you will, of Judah, all the way down to King David. Now, we, we, we're not quite sure if this is every generation or if there are some that are missed out or if it's just simply 10 generations because uh, that's how you expressed a, a royal genealogy. But the point 
unmistakable point is that we, we start with Perez, the one who's the, the son of Tamar, the Levite marriage, and it goes down through to Boaz, through to King David, the royal lineage, the one who is greater. Because remember, the, the elders prayed for Boaz or with Boaz saying, look, look, the elders prayed that Ruth would be more fruitful than Rachel and Leah. And they're saying, look, she is. She, she has these children. The elders prayed that Boaz would be famous. And he is. He's mentioned here. And then, of course, in the genealogy of Matthew 1, the elders prayed the family would be like Perez. But actually, they're greater than Perez. Because their offspring is King David, the one who is the, the type that shows us what God's king is like. This is a, a wonderful bringing together of all the threads of the story that we've seen. But what does it mean for us today? Like, what's the so what? Well, this, there's a couple of things, I think, which come out from it. Uh, as we said, this story of Ruth forms part of the bigger story, of God's story. It, it takes us through uh, describing how Ruth the Moabite is taken in by Boaz and their children end up with King David. And then we know that as we follow King David's line down, we get to the Lord Jesus himself. But Ruth the Moabite, uh, not just a nobody, a kind of an outsider, somebody who we might say does not belong in God's people. I mean, but she's there. So here's the the point. How could God's family not be open to anybody and everybody if in part of his family tree there are nobodies like Ruth? People who shouldn't be there. Uh, If you doubt that you could be part of God's family because of who you are, remember Ruth. Remember that she was somebody who was an outsider brought in. God's family is open to all people, languages, nations, ethnicities, tongues, ages. There's nobody who's excluded. But then secondly, actually, I don't know about you, but when I read the story of Ruth and Boaz, there's, there's a part of me that, as a story, that really, really wants Boaz, a Boaz character in my life. Not a romantic way, but somebody who comes in who always does the right thing. Somebody who, who says, no matter the cost, I'll be there for you. No matter the cost, I will buy you back. No matter the cost, I'll provide you with life and love. 1 John 3.16 
This is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ led on his life for us. As we read the story of Ruth and Boaz, we're, we're taken forward as Boaz is a, a picture of the, the guardian redeemer, the, the one who, who gave up to buy back Ruth, to provide for her. And our minds then are drifting forwards to one of Boaz's sons, who would one day be the one who would do that, not just for a a couple of uh, destitute ladies who had no bread, but the one who would come to be the bread of life uh, and to give his life as a ransom for all. Uh, As we look at the story of Ruth and Boaz, uh, we're reminded of that greater son, Reminded of one who would come and say, I'm not going to pay the price with silver and gold, but with my very life. As we remember in two weeks' time at Easter, we remember it every day. The Lord Jesus came to give his life so that he may buy us back as our God and Redeemer to cover us with his wing, to put bring his garment over us so that we may be part of his family, so that today his children will know we are loved, we are paid for, we are safe, we have been brought home, we are his. And he welcomes us in. Today we're going to celebrate communion. And we've got a chance to remember. Remember Jesus' body broken, his blood shed. To remember that he, our guardian redeemer, came to do that for us. That we who were like Ruth and Naomi had nothing, were empty, but given everything by him. That's what we remember at communion. And that's the offer to any and all to come. Come without cost to the one who gave everything. So if you're here this morning, uh, uh, looking on at Christian things, look on this morning at Jesus. Think about who he is. Uh, Listen to the words that we're going to say in communion that Nick will say uh, about the one who gave everything so that we might come to his table. We might share in in his family share in his supper. And for those that are Christians, let us come and remember his body broken so that we who come empty-handed have been filled and satisfied, not just for a day, but for eternity. Ruth is a wonderful story because it points to the greater story of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we look upon Jesus, we look upon the one who gave his life as our guardian redeemer to buy us back from sin and death, to buy us back from our slavery and sin. Lord, may we hold that fast in our hearts today and live for you, we pray. Amen.